Welcome to another episode of MedTech Connect. I'm Eliza, a senior writer for MedTech Insight based in London. I'm joined in this episode by Alexander Olbrecht, Director for Digital Health at the European trade body MedTech Europe. We will discuss the European Health Data Space Initiative and what it means to the medical device and wider healthcare industry. So, Alexander, what is the EU's proposed EHDS and how will it impact medical device manufacturers? First of all, thank you for, for having me. And um, so, yeah, the European Health Data Space is actually a legislative proposal that is published by the European Commission in May 2022. And it basically is a sector-specific regulation that will compromise of rules and standards to have a govern, governance framework for primary use, that is, to improve care delivery, and for secondary use, to support research um, and development. The ultimate goal, however, is to empower individuals across the European Union to have a say in their own data. Now, the impact for us as an industry is rather big, and that is actually twofold. First of all, we are at a pivotal role when it comes to the creation of health data. So the WHO, they estimate that around 2 million different kinds of medical devices on the global market, and many of them produce data. But at the same time, we are relying on that data. Just to give an example or two, we have connected medical devices, for example, for COPD patients or diabetes patients. And what they basically do is they monitor all circumstantial data of that patient in order to have them more to give them more insights in their own pathology so to say and they can manage it even better at the same time these insights are really valuable and they might have a predictive value as well so this this in turn makes makes it really really interesting on the patient side itself but on the managing side we see the same thing arising being connected hospital beds for example they can collect all sorts of data that in turn can be used by healthcare professionals alike to manage the healthcare on a broader scale, on the meta level, so to say. So those are two big levels where you can have an example, not to mention all of the in vitro diagnostic devices that have lots and lots of advantages as well. So there's many to name. So basically you're producing and relying on that data. And when done right, it will eventually lead to better outcomes for patients, healthcare providers, citizens, you name it. So that is, it, the impact is quite huge, actually. Yeah. It's really great to have those concrete examples. Um, and yeah, I think that really brings to life the impact that this will have. Um, so how does the EHDS interact with other EU rules around data and health, such as the GDPR, um, the proposed data act um, and the medical device regulations that is an excellent excellent question to be honest um, it is something that the team is working really hard on because the ehds regulation is intended to complement other laws established in europe it even makes a reference to this other legislative proposals which will be implemented in the future or that are already active um, just some of those examples can be GDPR, as you mentioned. Um, at the same time, with Medtech Europe, we believe that the EHDS framework should act as an enabler 
for innovation. And because the ties are so strong, it has advantages, but it can have potential risks as well. For example, the erosion of relevant, already established legal rights and concepts. So we need to be careful here because it's, in fact, it's on, on two axes. First of all, we have the sectoral legislation, for example, the MDR and the IVDR or the medical device regulation and the in vitro diagnostic medical device regulation, which for us is extremely important, which comes as no surprise, I suppose. And at the same time, we have horizontal legislation being put in place or is being developed. A few examples as the one that we already gave is the GDPR, but we have the Artificial Intelligence Act, the Data Act, the Data Governance Act, and the Cyber Resilience Act. And that gives you pretty much all the activities of the team as of today. So the interplay is quite important here. And it's not always as clear or comprehensive if it will duplicate or conflict these above mentioned legislations. And there is a multi-level requirement there as well. So we need to be aware of how this will interplay. Great. And as I understand it, um, MedTech Europe's supportive of the EHDS initiative broadly, um, certainly compared to, to some of the other proposals that you mentioned. So what are the greatest benefits to this proposal? Um, yeah, what do you think would be the, the best outcomes from it? Well, at first, it's difficult not to welcome the Commission's goal of, of creating an environment which fosters access to health data and the sharing across the European Union. I mean, it's evident that, that we, we welcome that. And especially the pioneering initiative that this has is something we welcome very much. And this leads actually to four high-level benefits that we see, whereas the first one, and maybe the most important one, is the empowerment of citizens and patients to have a greater access to their own healthcare data um, with endless possibilities for them. At the same time, it will accelerate the appropriate availability and it will improve the quality of electronic health data. Third is there's a single market for European, a uh, single market for digital health available there, and it could tackle the barriers for cross-border availability of that data. And fourthly is it will increase Europe's capability and its global competitiveness for research and innovation, and it will strengthen health systems and the public health resilience. Uh, resilience yes. Yeah, those are some really great benefits. Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing seeing those come to fruition, hopefully. So MedTech Europe joined 28 other stakeholders in making some recommendations about how the EHDS should be adopted to ensure its success. Um, so why were these recommendations made, made and what, was, what were some of the key points that you feel the Commission should consider? Well, I have very good news, actually. It's not only 28 anymore. The count goes up until 34 at the moment. So I'm very happy to, to give you that news. But it shows the relevance of the letter and it shows how many people it touches. And it goes from citizens to patients to healthcare professionals, researchers and the industry. So it's not surprising that the amount goes up as we speak. Well, the reason that we re-raise this is because there are important details in such a broad sweeping proposal and they need to be addressed to ensure 
but it will meet its object objectives. And in total, there are about seven, and it could lead us quite far, so I'm just going to highlight them. But the first one is the stakeholder inclusiveness. And it's important to mention that a broad range of stakeholders must be strongly involved from the outset of the process to guarantee the success of the European health data space. Secondly, is the alignment with all relevant horizontal and sectoral European laws. And I might, might sound like a broken record here, but it's really important that this is well, well managed. Of course, throughout Europe, we need a harmonized implementation and interpretation. People are seeing it differently and the implementation is different. Then it will erode this, again, the, the intended goal of this. Of course, the consistent and harmonized approvals for secondary use of electronic health data is another important one that is actually linked to all of the above. The scope must be very clearly defined, and especially with regards to the EHR systems or the electronic health record systems. Of course, if you want to have a good implementation, then you need adequate resources, and those are an important one. And to leverage that, we can use existing health data infrastructures already. So it doesn't need to be come from scratch, but we can use what is there and invest in it and make it better. And those are intricately linked again. Good to hear that even more voices have, um, have joined you in making those recommendations. Um, so I guess in light of that previous question, what are the potential barriers or problems that could arise if the HDS is not introduced correctly? I know you kind of touched upon that um, a little bit, but yeah, it'd be good to just go into that a bit deeper. My pleasure. And one thing that we haven't mentioned yet is the trust amongst all of the HDS participants. That will be a critical enabler, I believe, uh, for this digital transformation of healthcare. Um, if this would lack, well, then we're straight to point A again. And the infrastructure, which I mentioned in the last question, to have that resources done right, there will be another important barrier to overcome, as well as the risk of the fragmentation. So you see with the previous question and the things that we have addressed in that letter and the actual barriers, of course, they're linked. And so it makes, it makes sense to, to discuss these again. Um, and then we have the uncertainties that could arise of this. Uh, so we have the uncertainty on the scope of the proposal, which goes back to the definitions and, and, and having that clear scope, if you will, and at the same time, the interaction with the other legislation again, as we had in the beginning of this, uh, of this conversation. And if we lack all of this, it could actually enhold that the innovation of the European market would start to decrease. And we wouldn't have like the EHDS implemented in an actionable manner because implementing is one thing, but having it actionable is another. Definitely. Um, so... If all goes to plan, when can manufacturers and patients expect to start seeing some change and improvements and benefits as a result of the EHDS? Well, the aim is to have it in 2030, which might seem far away, um, and it might be, but still it's very ambitious to have it up and running in 2030. Um, and, but once it would be there, and once it's successfully implemented, we see quite a lot of big advantages once again, and that is, well, data sharing can help patients and citizens because this will change over time how we look at this, 
but it will allow them to manage their health data in an efficient way and have access to that own data. Meaning that the idea how they handle data will change fundamentally. At the same time, for healthcare professionals, they can have access to the most relevant data that they need at that point. And those are, those are specific and important distinctions being relevant and what they need at that exact time, depending on what the patient needs at that uh, point in time and at the point of care. Thirdly is it will make our health system more sustainable and, and resilient. I'll give two examples. Being the first is the inequalities in terms of patient access, which can be a problem throughout Europe. It will be less and it will be more accessible for patients alike because of this, because of the European health data space and how it will impact how we use data. Secondly, we can, well, address future pandemics, for example, something that already looks far away but it's not so far away, to be honest. Um, but we could anticipate on future pandemics and just imagine what great advantages that would come from that. Imagine having European health data space a few years ago. We can only think about what would be possible. And finally, for manufacturers, is that the access to health data will not only improve the existing medical technologies and in vitro diagnostic um, devices, but it will allow us to make new ones, better ones, that will again help patients, citizens, healthcare providers, and all the people that are involved. So in turn, I'm quite optimistic about this. Yeah, it's such an important point about being prepared for any future pandemics or anything, because yeah, it is, it is important to be prepared. So I think that'll be a really a key benefit from it, hopefully. Um, so my final question is about the use of proper data sharing practices. Um, so I was just wondering why is it so important that data is used correctly by healthcare stakeholders um, and what are some of the consequences of poor data sharing practices? In fact, it's easy to summarise. We've discussed about all the advantages uh, in this conversation and when we went through them extensively and the impact on all of the stakeholders in the field of healthcare in Europe. So if we would have this poor data quality, incomplete sets of data and a lack of data sharing, it will demolish all of those advantages. And it will ultimately hamper with the much needed health innovation that is needed in Europe. And it will block us from making healthcare systems more resilient uh, in the future and make them less future-proof. So for us, therefore, it's as a medical technology industry, we are highly committed to support all of this and to make the EHDS a successful project. Thanks so much for coming on to the podcast, Alexander. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing how the EHDS unfolds over the years, and I'm sure the years until 2030 will fly by. Um, so yeah, it seems like an ambitious project that could have some real benefits. Thank you for having me and let's not wait until 2030 to meet again. Yes, I agree. <laughs>